You are listening to the Willpower Podcast. Welcome to the show. I am Will Holdren, and I talk with some of the most influential CEOs, entrepreneurial leaders, and thought leaders to try and reveal the secrets that has led to their success. I believe that with the right knowledge and mindset, you can do anything you set your mind to. So if you want to learn how to change your life for the better, if you want to learn how millionaires actually became wealthy, or if you want to develop and start your own business from the ground up with the right knowledge to help you, then you are in the right place because this is the Willpower Podcast. I cannot wait to introduce you to today's guest, but first, if you have enjoyed an episode, then please, please open up Apple Podcasts and hit that subscribe button. And if you think we deserve it, scroll to the bottom, select write a review, and leave us a five-star rating with a review that states where you are from and one aspect of the show that you love. Once you do that, send me a screenshot and I will feature you on a future show and shout you out on my Instagram that has over 10,000 followers. Now let's get to the show with our newest guest. How's it going, guys? My name is Will Holdren. I'm the host of the Willpower Podcast. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Eric Sue, and Eric is an entrepreneur and marketing guru that actually bought a failing SEO agency called Single Grain for $2. And since then, he has turned it into a top marketing agency. And on top of that, he's a podcast host and the author of Leveling Up. So it's an honor to have him on here. So Eric, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Will. Of course. So to start off, I'd ask all my guests the same question. Uh, so what motivates you to get out of bed every day to do what you do? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, there's a vision and a mission. People talk about that. And then people talk about finding your why. And very much my why is to just level up the world. And the meaning to me here is, you know, if I were to have all the money in the world, what would I be doing? I just focus on making education better. So personally, I love learning and I love teaching to reinforce my learning and then other people benefit. Um, so it's to level up the world and I'll never accomplish that in my lifetime, but that gives me a reason to wake up every day. That's awesome. And before people knew you as the Eric Sue that you are today, can you kind of walk me through what your childhood was like and how it affects you? Yeah. Um, so childhood growing up, and this relates directly with the book, um, but I played a lot of games growing up. And, you know, I played a lot of, what do you want to call Starcraft, Diablo, Counter-Strike, World of Warcraft, EverQuest, those types of games. I put in a lot of time and, mm -hmm. um, you know, people understand the world of sports. They understand that sports is a gateway to, to real life, but sports is very much, it's still a game, right? And so when people look at video games, there's a, a, a negative kind of, um, outlook on it in general, but you know, it's, it's kind of changing, but, um, you know, I, I grew up doing that and that's what I was good at. I wasn't interested in school. Um, I wasn't interested in being told what to do or told how to think. Um, I wanted to kind of think on my own. So, you know, through gaming, I learned, um, you know, resilience, teamwork, communication, all that type of stuff. And that shaped me into who I am. So gaming actually was my sports and it was my gateway into real life. And um, that's how my ultimate game now is it's, it's, you can only play games so much unless you become like pro and make millions a year. Um, right. But my canvas now is is business, right? Like every day I, I told myself when I was 12 or 13, I'm like, man, I wish I could just have this excitement for something that's that's real life. And that excitement very much now is, is gaming. So every day I wake up, I'm like, I'm super pumped. So that's awesome. And that's also super interesting because I know like if my parents saw me gaming all the time, they're like, oh, you're so lazy and you get out there and do some more important stuff. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious, like, did you ever get that um, that setback from your parents when you were gaming when you were younger? Yeah, totally. Um, so you know, my parents saw me like they weren't curious about what I was doing. It's more so like you should be doing this. Right. So it was very black and white to them. Um, but they would take away my keyboard. They would take away my mouse. And this is when I was 
you know, when 40 or 60 other people were relying on me. So I had a pretty elite team I was part of, and they're relying on me to show up on time at 6 p.m. or whatever. And we're going to go out there, kill dragons, good lo- get good loot and all that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, they didn't understand it. So th- there was definitely not support. And that motivated me even more to kind of prove them wrong, right? Um, I think it's, you know, I, I would just say, like, for me, that's taught me that um, hopefully, you know, when I become a parent, it's it's more so becoming curious in what my child is doing, uh, more so than trying to prescribe things that uh, pre- prescribe my way of thinking. Right. That's so true. And um, I know a lot of kids also game and a lot of parents kind of look down on that unless they start actually making money because they're like, like oh, OK, this can actually become something in the future. So were you able to actually make money gaming at such a young age? Yeah, I mean, and when I was in eighth grade, um, so I we would kill we would kill like these dragons, and then uh, we'd get these loot. And I, I remember um, we'd get all these this loot, and then I sold this one helmet, an, an in-game helmet, like this hat. I sold it for two thousand dollars. So in eighth grade, that was everything oh to me. Gosh. I would sell my characters for like ten or fifteen thousand. It sounds amazing, but if you break out the hourly, it actually isn't that much. But it's like <laughs> to get that additional benefit when I'm exiting the game. Uh, that was really cool. And I learned how to trade and all that. So you, you learn how to do business. Um, and so I would say, and I, I played a lot of poker as well. So I definitely, you know, I made money from that, even though I, I dropped my credit score, you know, really low. Um, but, you know, that's a story for, for another time. <laughs> that's really cool. And so after high school, what did you do? Did you go to college or do you jump into entrepreneurship right away? Yeah. So I, I, I really wanted to do right by my parents. I like, I continued to, you know, it didn't feel right going to college and I went to college and, you know, the first year I almost got kicked out because I was playing a lot of world of Warcraft and poker. Um, <laughs> and so, so I had six withdrawals and I think I had two F's and it was almost game over mm-hmm. for me. Um, and, you know, I continued on and I actually ended up um, transferring from um, one UC school to another uh, university of California. I ended up going to UC San Diego and um, I actually almost got kicked out of high school, but that was like a, a technicality because I didn't want to go to this one class because I was bored of it. Um, so anyway, I didn't do, I was fired from two jobs. I just, I don't do that well when being told what to do for something that's not engaging. Um, I need to be engaged. I need to feel like I'm learning. I need to feel like I'm contributing, right? So um, I, the gaming kind of, all all that stuff kicked into gear. Everything I learned from gaming kicked into gear when I found something that was engaging. And that happened to be, you know, business and digital marketing, so. Right. Okay. That's super interesting. And so throughout college, like you, did you start your own company in college or after you dropped out? Yeah. So, um, after, okay. So here's what happened. I ended up getting a, I I got a dead end job coming out of school because it was the financial crisis. And, um, so, you know, I was getting paid like $32,000 a year or something. Um, United States, it's not a lot. Okay. Um, and so, you know, I, my friend who actually now works at Airbnb, she told me about this digital marketing thing. And I actually ended up getting an internship. Um, long story short, um, within after that internship, I got I basically changed jobs five times. I got five digital marketing jobs and I always kept chasing the opportunity. I like quick opportunities would pop up. I'm like, man, this thing's hot. Um, and so one of the jobs, I basically bought an e-commerce store and that's when I got started on my entrepreneurship journey. And that, that store ended up failing. And I tried like another store that, that store failed too. But so I have a couple failures under my belt. So um, yeah. And then that led to one thing led to another and, you know, things eventually worked out. Yeah. I mean, digital marketing is like a red sea right now. Like, like it seems like a lot of people are doing it, especially now that COVID's happened and people are like working from home. They can kind of see a lot of opportunity in that field. Um, so what was kind of your first success in digital marketing? What company? Yeah, I would say this. I mean, where gaming really helped out is, um, there was this one company I was leading marketing at where we had a great product. We had a great team. 
Um, and you know, what they needed was great marketing. And so I, I basically, um, you know, one month into the job, the CEO pulls me aside and says, Hey, if, if you don't make numbers happen this month, like you, you got 80 people's families riding on your shoulders and we're going to have to let you go if it doesn't happen. And that to me felt unfair at the time. Cause I was only yeah. into the job for one month. Um, and I was really getting the, the wrath from like, you know, the other pe my predecessors. Right. Um, and so, you know, at that, at that very moment, I, the, the gaming thing kicked into gear where I was like, man, you know, this is the part where resilience kicks in. And this is the part where like having conviction kicks in. I bet the entire company on YouTube ads and it worked out. Um, and so then eventually I got recruited over to the, the ad agency that I now own called single grain. Um, and then, you know, I, the company went from bad to worse because our, our products and services were no longer working and the founders, the co-founders all wanted out. So I basically was able to negotiate a buyout where I paid $2 out of pocket for the company with a contingency of if the company failed, I would owe nothing. And so, you know, by the way, my, my podcast co-host uh, for marketing school, Neil Patel, is popular in the marketing world. And he was like, you should get out. There's no brand equity. There's nothing right now to me. And by the way, sometimes it's, it's, it's a matter of, um, zigging where other people are zagging right so you know all, co all four co-founders went out and then i'm like man you know what in my mind i'm like asymmetrical upside if i can make this thing work upsides uncapped right if it doesn't work i'm going to learn a lot and i'm not going to lose a lot either so you know heads i win tails i don't lose much right that's the kind of thinking people should have yeah that's a great mindset and so kind of taking a step back for that one company he, the boss kind of went up to you and told you okay you got to make this work or else a lot of people are going to lose their jobs Right. And so you kind of bet everything on YouTube ads. And um, I'm kind of curious because a lot of people wouldn't really have the confidence to do that. And why did you decide to go in on YouTube ads instead of like Instagram, LinkedIn or Facebook or anything yeah. else? Well, keep in mind, I mean, this was like, um, this was, let's see how, oh man, this was eight or nine years ago. Um, so it, no, Instagram wasn't, wasn't hardcore or like Instagram wasn't, didn't have their ad platform yet. They weren't bought by Facebook yet, I think. Um, so yeah. What I basically did, it's not as crazy as it sounds. Um, I basically looked at our old ad campaigns and I looked at what was actually trending up. So my predecessors, whoever was before me, they actually had something that was working. And I was like, it seems like the numbers are trending up. Why do we stop? And so, okay, I'm giving it a month now. And if it's an all in bet, I'm a gambler, right? I, I, with a poker background. Okay, I'm all in. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> Boom, right? Push all the chips in the middle. And it, it turns out from there, it just gangbusters uh, in terms of growth because it just makes a lot of sense because on, it was an online training school for web dev and design, so. Right, and I'm sure after you did it, your confidence was then through the roof as well, and that helped you progress into your other company, Single Green. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I think it gave me too much confidence because I thought, okay, my, you know, my poo-poo doesn't sink now because, you know, I come from tech, you know, I, I'm this badass, and so I'm like, and, and by the way, I knew this agency from the outside was a house of cards, but I wanted to say, you know what, if I come into this company, if I can turn it around, I can do anything, um, at least in my mind, and so, you know, that happened. And then fortunately, by the way, it wasn't all sunshine and, and, and flowers. I actually screwed it up even worse. We dropped all the way down to one employee the year after I took over. Um, so I had no idea what I was doing. And the, the key takeaway here is nobody really knows what they're doing. We're all just kind of figuring it out. Um, but it's a matter of how much pain can you take? And by the way, I learned a lot of that from poker, right? You take a lot of pain playing yep. poker. So yeah, yeah. Entrepreneurship is the same exact way. Like even in my life, the podcast, like I didn't really know what I was doing at the beginning. You just got to go in and do it. Yeah. Just, like you said, be resilient and then it's going to work out in the end if you just keep on going forward with it. But by the way, Will, I mean, it, it takes time to compound, right? I mean, the, the, the first podcast I had after the first year, only nine downloads a day. And the second one only after the second year, only 30 downloads a day. So with content, it's probably two to three years to build an audience. And then with business, probably three years to start to see it moving. That, that's basically yeah. what I've seen. 
that's a long time. I know a lot of people would quit before they get to that threshold too. Like after yeah, people just, I, I think people need more pain as, as, as much as bad as it sounds, people might say experience or whatever, but it's, it's really pain. Yeah. So, and so if, like from your experience, like at what point do you say, okay, this isn't going to work. Like at, how many years down the road do you say, okay, this, what I'm doing isn't going to work. I need to shift gears and go a new direction. Yeah. You know what? I almost gave up on single grain. So what happened was our outside account, this is when we dropped all the way down to, to one employee. My outside accounting firm called me and said, Hey, it might be time to shut it down. And at that time I actually got a job offer that would, you know, pay me up to seven figures plus a year. Um, and you know, I'd have to, you know, move to move over to, to Texas. But, um, you know, I, I, I actually said yes. And then I realized I was like, man, something just feels wrong. I'm like, I think I got to see it through. Cause I can't go back. Like once you get a taste of it, once you wet your beak a little bit, you can't go back. Um, and right. so, and that's why I always tell people on my team, I'm like, look, you guys should all have side gigs as long as it doesn't compete with us because whatever you learn will translate back to the organization. And if it works out well, your upside's unlimited. You should do it. Right. So I, I encourage people to do it. Uh, I think most people are just too scared. So. Right. And single grain is super interesting to me because you bought it for $2, which is insane because like you said, the upside to that is just out of this world if it works out and it did work out for you. And so I'm kind of curious, like, what did you do differently than the previous owners of single grain do? Because obviously it wasn't working out for them. And then you come in and then it just, boom. Yeah. Kicked. I think, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, um, we previously were an SEO agency. That was, that's what we focused on. I, I moved it over to becoming a paid media agency. So we focused on running ads and then I also niched us down. I focus us mostly on um, software as a service. Um, and because I speak at SaaS conferences, um, you know, we, we, we have our own SaaS um, product as well. I, we just understand it really well. And there's a need for that. SaaS is going to continue to get bigger. And um, so there's that. But then also we are, you know, part of what we offer is, is this pay for performance type of service where you don't pay us unless we perform. And that's significantly different than most other agencies out there. Um, right. And probably the biggest thing, and most people, you know, when I started out early in my career, people talk about culture, they talk about hiring. And I think most marketers are like, oh, I don't care about that. I just want the latest tactic, right? But then you realize to make the whole ecosystem, the entire operating system work, it is the culture. The culture is the operating system. You sure you can hire great people, but if you don't have the right programming within your operating system, it's not going to work out, right? So then now I started studying a lot about culture, about hiring and all that. So I think that is, that's what's going to cause a company to, to last for the long term and, and hold it together. Right. Okay. And so when you were running paid ads, did you run paid ads for individuals, entrepreneurs? Did you do it for actual businesses? Yeah, actual businesses. So the types of companies we work with would be like the big tech would be like the Ubers and the Amazons and then a lot of SaaS companies. Um, and what I would say for us, what worked out for us is this. This might be helpful. I, I think a lot of people don't really respect SEO um, nowadays. And I'm saying it's, it's a nice thing to have in your tool belt because um, you know, about 50% of our leads come from SEO and, um, you know, 15% come from podcasts, 35% come from, from networking or like throwing events or whatever, but, um, okay. it's a nice weapon to have. And that's allowed us to get the clients that we, we have, um, through, through our inbound engine. So, okay. That's super interesting to me because I know SEO means search engine optimization, but how do you actually generate good SEO? Like what do you do in order to get that good SEO? Yeah. So I'll tell you what we did when I, first took over the company, our blog was only getting about 4,000 visits a month, which is good. It's a good start. You know, for most people, I think, you know, after a year or so, maybe six to 12 months, you can get to 4,000 visits a month. So we're That's very cool. much kind of just starting out. And so what I did was I was like, man, we need to be publishing more content. So we, we published on a more, um, maybe two or three times a week. And then we published 1500 to 2,500 words per post. Um, and then what we did there, 
afterwards was we did a lot of guest blog posting, right? So the two things that matter most, Will, when it comes to SEO are content and links, right? And and it's it, it just, the problem is it just takes forever. Like I know people that are spending four or 500 grand a month on, on links and like, you know, two, 300 grand a month on content. And people are like, oh, it's so unfair, whatever. But like, just like paid ads, they invest into it. It's just that they have the guts to invest in it because they understand SEO. And what they're doing now is they're just reaping the reward. They get thousands of leads a month, millions of visits. Um, they can also convert their traffic into affiliate traffic to drive another 100 to 200 grand a month. And you just got this compounding machine, right? You got to think of marketing, like the different tactics that you have as, as investing. You got to think what compounds, what brings unfair leverage, and you go for that. Right. Okay. So for instance, if someone started the blog, they would get more traction if they posted links within their blog instead of a blog with no links. Um, and why is that the case? Well, not necessarily. So um, one thing, I mean, Will, to your point, I mean, you know, obviously you want a blog that looks, most important thing, don't think about SEO too much when you're writing. Don't think about, oh, I need to have this and many links or like this much keywords or whatever. Just write good stuff, you know, try to go for long form because that's going to capture more long tail keywords um, and it's going to help you rank more, right? Like no wonder Wikipedia ranks for so many different things. Um, mm -hmm. But what you got to do is like, if I'm competing in marketing right now, if I started a blog today, I'll be like, what's, what's a really amazing thing that I can write. And maybe I write it. Like I have a really amazing piece that comes out every month or every quarter or so. Right. Cause then you can actually reach out to people and say, look at this, this is actually good stuff. Right. And I'll, I'll like, could you help promote it? And inevitably, if it's really good, people are going to share it with all their audiences. People are going to link to you. Um, and, but in the very beginning, there's, a, there's going to be a lot of begging, right? So nobody knows who you are, right? You write this great piece. You think you're done. Maybe you spent 20 hours on it. Guess what? You're going to spend another 80 hours promoting that thing because that's the, the that's the 80, 20 rule, right? So, um, because nobody knows who you are, that's why you got to put in the work for promotion. And it's a lot of hand to hand combat initially. Yeah. It's super interesting. Cause I know a lot of podcasters or even bloggers, like you said, they just post something and expect it to go all the way out there. They don't actually promote it themselves. And self-promotion is like a huge thing. Like I said, it can generate a lot of leads for people. Yeah. Um, so how did you do self-promotion? Did you just reach out to people that you knew like, Hey, check this out. Or did you just yeah. cold DM people on Instagram or what was your method for that? So what we did back then, there was no Instagram DM yet. Um, but we did a lot of guest blog posting. So we'd reach out to, you know, large websites, like let's say entrepreneur magazine or, or Forbes or whatever. And they have, they will take authors. Right. And so you reach out to the editors and say, Hey, like I got this stuff. And then, you just keep reaching out. Eventually they're going to accept you. Right. And, um, what happened was because we're writing so much in my author byline, um, you know, we talk about the agency single grain and the real link to single grain. We actually, um, ranked really high, highly for, um, one, one agency type of keyword. And that brought us the leads that we got, um, to, to help us grow for the long term. So, wow, that's super interesting. And so when you did get leads and people came to your business for help, where did you primarily promote their ads and stuff on what platform? Yeah, primarily it's Facebook and Google, the, the two big ones. But nowadays it's actually, um, we're seeing more action on, on Amazon um, and seeing more action on, on even Pinterest as well. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I would say this too, like paid media is not necessarily, to me, it's not just, you know, um, the, the big platforms, right? You got to take advantage of, look, you might have some opportunities with Reddit. You might have some opportunities with Twitch or with, with um, you know, I guess Amazon, I, I kind of mentioned already, but, you know, and they're bought by them. But yeah, just <laughs> think broadly. Right. Okay. And I'm sure like your strategies have had to change in the last few years because of how crowded the marketplace has, has become. So what kind of changes have you seen in the digital marketing, like spectrum of things? Like are ads becoming more costly? Are they yeah. um, harder to make successful? 
Yeah, so I, I think look, ads are going to continue to to rise up because that's their model, right? That, like it's an auction based system. So I think a lot of people that um, you know, when I think about uh, tech marketers, right, when they see demand gen, it's really just they know how to run Facebook and Google ads, and it's a lot more than that. I think people need to think about. Um, a lot of people pay, pay lip service to this, but how do you go omni-channel? How do you have an approach where you're really, like you build a podcast, like what you're doing right now, Will, how do you build a YouTube channel? Can you go buy a YouTube channel? Can you go buy these other media properties where you're not at the beck and whim of a Facebook or a Google? You got to think about diversifying because it's, it's really, it's really easy to get lured into the luster of just running these ads, put a dollar in, get $5 back, but you're ultimately building no leverage for yourself and you have no moat. Um, and so, sure, there's a lot of e-commerce companies popping up right now, and they're just leveraging all the, this attention. But um, at the end of the day, what's going to be sustainable? One of the highest points of leverage is, you know, what what your what your media strategy is. Right, right. And I also noticed, like a, a lot of times nowadays, there are a bunch of people out there that are promoting themselves, saying, "Oh, if you invest in me in my ad agency, I can make you a millionaire in like six months and stuff like that." And they're really just selling people on this dream, where in reality, it does not take six months for me to become a millionaire. And running paid ads is super hard to do, but nonetheless, these people are still making money because people succumb to that and they actually start paying them that money. Um, so how can people like kind of decipher between a good ad agency and one that's kind of just out there to take their money? Yeah, so there's this blog post called Extreme Reference Checking. I, I recommend everyone do it. Um, you go really deep on reference checking, right? But you know, beyond that, I would just do a, a paid assignment, right? Maybe you do a small little test and see how they perform. How well did they communicate? How well did they hit deadlines? How creative are they? Um, and are you really impressed by them? Right. And ov obviously, you know, you do the interviews are only going to tell you so much. Um, but you know, th that's what it is at the end of the day. Right. It's, and you want to move very quickly. If, if they're good, you ramp up the spend. If not, you know, you, you ask them quickly. Um, and that's how we generally even hire full-time people too. We have them go through our, our, we have a pretty stringent process, but you know, generally we'll, we'll try to get to like a, a paid, a, a paid type of assignment or like a really short assignment. Um, because you know, we don't want to take advantage of people's time. So. Right. Yeah. That's really great to hear. Um, and so another question, I know this is a common problem with um, people that are just starting out with a new business. They feel the need to go all in with like paid advertising and sometimes it just burns through their accounts and end up with no money left. So do you think that at the beginning of any type of business is better to just do organic traffic, reaching out to people by yourselves until you get some traction and then later go to paid ads? Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Let's, let's use the, the, we can use the book. We can use the, uh, we can use, uh, my software is an example. Let's use the book. So right now, the the book I have coming out called Leveling Up. We have, um, you know, we're we're trying to figure things out before ramping. Right. We we just ran ads to this contest, and we're getting leads for very cheap. We're talking below fifty cents, right? Wow. Um, and so now we're like, okay, but how many of these people are actually going to convert? It could be a bunch of tire kickers, right? We don't know. So we need to see what the conversion rates are. So basically, what I'm saying is, before we ramp, we need to have a formula that's figured out. If, if the formula is is wrong and it's it's cash flow negative and you're pushing ads towards it, you're just going to compound on your your negative cash flow type of formula. Um, and so I think a lot of people they put the cart before the horse and it's just like, hey, you know what? Let's uh yeah, let, let's run some paid ads and it's going to solve everything. But, but when you have when you haven't solved, let's say you're running you're doing software, you haven't solved product market fit, you have a leaky funnel. So people are going to churn or, or cancel in the first month, and um, you know you're not building anything sustainable. So the first for, first and foremost. You know, it's, it's, it seems basic, but it's, how do you, how do you focus and, and do good work for your customers before you try to ramp something? Right. Right. Absolutely. And have you ran, um, paid ads for your book yet? Yeah, we have. I mean, it's, uh, we spent about 10 grand so far as a test and then now we're going to see how many convert. And then after that, if the formula looks good, we're going to ramp it hardcore. So how'd you do in the first 10 grand that you spent on it? 
We don't know yet. It's it's because the problem right now is it's it's in pre-order, right? So the the, the book sales they come to us bi-weekly, so it's not ideal. Um, so yeah. once we have a general sense and we feel confident, then we'll do it. It's not like we get real-time reporting like a, you typically would in your e-commerce dashboard. Um, but there's that, and then we do the same thing for our software too. It's like once we have a formula that's figured out, whether it's like bundling our software with something, or you know some type of um, some type of pricing mechanism, or some type of product market fit thing, um, then we can we can try to ramp the thing. So. Right, right. Okay. That's super interesting. And so obviously you're doing an excellent job with this market agency that you saved from going bankrupt and you turned it around and making it really successful. So from your experience, like what are some of the main like business lessons that you've learned from taking this business from zero to a hundred? Yeah. I mean, one of my favorite quotes is from Winston Churchill. It's uh, if you're going through health, keep going. Right. And I, I think that's, that's basically business. I think most people just give up too easily. Like, you know, it, when I first started reading business books at, I don't know, 21 or 22, like what, it's the same thing. It's just keep going, be persistent, right? Keep learning. Um, you know, don't, don't even keel, right? You never, you're never as good as they say they are or say you are, you're never as bad either. Right. Um, those are kind of the main things, but you know, look, if I, if, if I said, okay, after the first year for, for the podcast, had I said, let's give up, I would not have both podcasts right now. Uh, with single grain after the first year, uh, did I say let's give up? No, I, you know, I kept going. Even though, even when it got worse, I was like, let's keep going, right? So you you can call it, you know me being naive, but um, you know, you as long as you have some hope and you see other people around you figuring it out, there's no reason. Like, there's so many human beings out there. Like everything around you is built by entrepreneurs. That's the biggest upside. So why would you not go for it if you think you've got the talent to do it? So right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And um, I know a lot of people too when they start something, they get a lot of like rejection and. Um, controversial opinions about it, even from like their friends and family. And that can be really hard on someone. Like even when their family says, what are you doing? You need to get a real job. You need to start making some income instead of starting this new business. So how can people kind of learn to get over that rejection? Yeah. I'll tell you what, it's all about, you know, there's a lot of lip service paid to it. It's like, you can say, oh, there's these gurus out there. They talk about mindset. Um, I don't really go to, I haven't been to like a big guru conference before, but what I can say is mindset's really important. So, you know, in, instead of saying, oh my God, someone's talking down to me and, and oh, you know, my friends and family are making fun of me. Like, by the way, my, my parents, like when I first took over the company, he's like, do you even know what you're doing? You're only 27 years old. Like, you know, you, don't you think you need to get an MBA, blah, blah, blah. So it's a lot of negative talk, right? And so what you do instead is you reframe your mindset and you say, you know what? That's fuel. Because even the other day, I got a one-star rating on one of my podcasts. And you know, I was like, that's amazing. Like you, you reframe it. You're like, I need more. Give me more, right? Give me more pain because it's going to help me grow. And even if it's completely useless feedback, you know what? It's still motivation to say, hey, you know what? I'm going to keep going. I'm going to show you. So, um, you know, you don't need to have the I'm going to show you piece of it, but you do need to reframe something where it, if you think of it as something that's helpful instead of harmful, it becomes way easier. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great mindset to have. And, um, so kind of looking towards the future, what do you see happening with your company single grain and where are you looking to take it? Yeah, I think, um, again, it's, you know, this, this whole vision thing, it's like, you don't start paying attention until you get a little more mature. Like when you level up to, to understand that, Hey, this culture and vision stuff, this mission stuff matters. Um, you know, the thing we put together for ourselves is, um, you know, we, we got the podcast, we, we got, we got the other companies, we invest in other companies, but the commonality amongst all of them is that, um, they're all marketing businesses, right? So the tagline is we level up marketing businesses, which you have a little bit of the book leveling up and then you have the, um, the, the marketing businesses. Okay, cool. Um, so throughout your time with your podcast, like who's the most interesting person that you've been able to meet on your podcast? 
I mean, there's been a couple of there's been a couple billionaires. They definitely think differently. Um, you know, the, the key thing I've learned from them is that you know whatever you're thinking, think bigger, right? And that actually comes from the late Tony Shea. Um, I've learned from you know people that invented the magnetic credit card stripe. You know, the guy's name is uh, the grandfather of possibilities. I think there's there's a little bit to learn from everyone, but the key thing you see from all of them is that they're lifelong learners and they're very persistent people. Um, and I've done over 400 of those interviews. And wow. um, that's what it is. There's no secret formula. So, <laughs> <laughs> how many years has it? Um, have you been doing the podcast so far? So leveling up, I've been doing for seven years, and then uh, marking school, we're approaching four years. Wow. And now, do you plan on just doing all of these things like forever? Do you plan on selling them eventually? Or no. So here's the thing, right? If you start to think of things as as, as a game, it's it's a game that I never. I'm playing it to not end, right? I'm not playing to, to for keeps or anything. And my goal at the end is just to give away all my money, right? Or or the large majority of it. Because I, I don't want my family to, my you know, the, the future to be spoiled. And I want them to figure things out for themselves. Um, right. But, you know, that's what it is. So, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you taking time out to come on to my podcast. And um, is there anything else you'd like to say to our listeners that are listening to this episode? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, I talked about reframing your mindset, right? So the reason I wrote the book leveling up is to basically help reframe life into a game because I always wanted to just do that. Right. So every day I feel like I'm playing a game and um, you know, the book talks about different power-ups you can acquire at each level. And you got, you got to look, if you want to get past um, your job, you got to start freelancing and then you got to get past that level and then go into an agency or like do a drop shipping thing or move to the next level. Right. It just, you're constantly level up, leveling up and you don't necessarily need to go to the next level. But if you do just understand that there's obstacles to face and there's always a new set of problems, right? So you can, you guys can go get a free chapter of the book leveling up.com, or you can go to your favorite online retailer and just type in leveling up Eric Sue. Awesome. And if people want to get in touch with you again, contact with you, where should they reach out to you at? Yeah, they can just reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram. I'm, I'm pretty active and reading on there. Uh, just Eric at Eric O S I U. All right. Awesome. All right, guys, there you have it. Eric Sue. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. That's willpower, it's real power. Willpower, that's willpower, it's real power. Willpower, that's willpower, it's real power. If you don't change your mind, you never feel power. This episode was sponsored by Ruben Alvarez from In for the Kill Podcast. Check out his YouTube channel for product reviews, mindset videos, and interviews. If you want to receive updates about when future episodes will be coming out, please visit willholdren.com and join the email list. We hope you love today's episode.